Sorry, all right, no need to fuss, I'm right here. Anyway, there's no point having a go at Marina, she can't tell you anything. Oh, hello everyone. Well, no time for a full introduction today, as we are heading back over to Space 1999 for Guardian of Piri. So, welcome back to the first season of Space 1999. We, uh, it doesn't feel like we've made too many visits to the first season so far, but anyway, we're back with data. Guardian of Piri today. As to whether that planet can support life. We're already looking at Planet Piri on the uh, the big screen in main mission. Since we first became aware of the planet's existence, but it's still reported to be insufficient. I don't understand how it can control a reconnaissance flight to that surface and at the same time not tell us whether that surface can sustain life. Well, in neither case, Commander, would computer be so irrational as to guess. And that's something I like in the the, the first half of this episode is the emphasis on Kano, who never got much attention in the show, and also of a low orbit for vinyl his relationship with the computer and, and computer in general. Confirm final descent now, Pete. Unfortunately, that doesn't last throughout the whole episode, but it's a nice uh, made a bad mistake. Nice element of this uh, building mystery here. We're two hours ahead of schedule. Well, I'm not. I'm still not sure how they Anna? how they got to the planet ahead of schedule. When will they ever learn? It doesn't seem to make uh, make too much sense. Anyway, we're here on the planet Piri, which is a, a lovely bit of design. Hey, this one's a weirdy head. Not so much on the uh, the model shots, uh, at least these distant shots of the uh, what I call the bubble forest of Piri. They're too low, and their G forces are increasing rapidly. They're doing just fine by computer. Yeah, well, computer's got to be wrong. Did you get that, Pete? On course and holding, everything's fine. And I can't tell if this is Michael Culver's real voice or if it's been dubbed by an American or... I suspect it's probably a mix of both. Check it out manually, Pete. Pete Irving is, uh... G-forces are seven above computer's estimate. His eagle is swooping all over the uh, Pyrian skyline. <laughs> and it is quite a nice creepy opening. We're not sure what's happened to, to these two, but, uh... Yeah, just suddenly, all contact gone. All transmissions ceased. Scanner. A blip just disappeared. I kept on telling you computer had insufficient data. It cannot assess the planet unless you feed it the right information. Look, I am not concerned. I love Alan's anger at this. It feels so genuine. I want to know why I filled up all the normal flying data. Time, distance, orbital velocity. take so good anger. G-factors. Connor, you can't have got this thing. Righteous anger, in fact. But computer does not make that kind of mistake. What are you telling me I do? Alan. Look, it was two of my mates that died out there. I know his men are making a thorough... I also love the way Alan just assumes that they're dead, because, you know, we've, we've been here more than enough times by now to him, for him to assume that if you lose contact with an eagle, probably, probably dead. Computer told them to. Which is why I want you to fly manual all the way. Irving also ignored all advice for main mission. Now, I want you to obey any order Paul gives you, even if it sounds irrational. Meanwhile, Paul is now uh, jotting down ideas for things he can tell Alan to do. And Alan will have to do them. Oh, you can see, he's, there's even a shot of Paul there. He's thinking about it. Oh, dear. So, we're, we're an eagle down. Chart together from some astro shots. I We've still got this new planet to uh, to explore. Uh, more time with planet Perry than computer thought. See, the curve of our course is tightening. We're being drawn closer than we expected. Well, that could be either good or bad. In other words, if that planet can sustain us, then uh, give us more time to explore and make up our minds. But if it's affecting us badly, then the closer we get, the worse it'll be. Oh, speaking of uh, affecting us. Oh, um... Victor's not doing too well. 
According to his monitor, he's fine. So things are going wrong with the computer. Although Victor, Victor's now in the in medical center, and he looks alright. We're slowly decreasing. Our own hearts have made a natural adjustment. Victor's mechanical heart didn't. You know what this means? We can't even rely on computer for normal internal services. Well, any after effects? No, no, no. I'm all right. Just a few strange fantasies. That's all. You know, I have a very powerful instinct that Piri is going to be just the right place for us. Well, it'll take a lot more than fantasy to convince me of that. Uh oh. Dr. Russell. She's dead. Yep, we don't even know who that was. Supply stopped. Doctor, how could you possibly allow this to happen? I can't control everything. I am not a computer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. You're asking me to keep my patients alive? I can't do everything, woman. My goodness. So that's one poor un un uh, unknown woman there. Um, her name Sarah Graham, I think. Yep, don't know who she was, but she's dead. That's about the G-force. That's probably the most just. I've cut my approach. I don't know for a show that has so many horrible deaths in it. That one, that one still stands out for just how matter of fact it is. Here's this woman. She's dead. Actually, our first sight of her is she's dead. Oh dear. Anyway, Alan's investigating, and he has found. They haven't crashed. They're all right. Just hanging there, motionless. What do you mean? Well, don't ask me how, Commander, but she's all in one piece, and that's good enough for me. I'm going to dock. And here's something I never understood about the Eagles, and I think it sort of varies on... It varies from story to story, depending on what they need to be able to do. But this boarding tube sticking out of the side of the Eagle, where has that come from? Just keep her steady, Jono. Jono, I don't know who you are. You're not going to get any lines. But yeah, it, it, and it also seemed that um, the... Eagle corridors would, would vary in shape, and sometimes they were round, and sometimes they were square like that one was. Anyway, Alan has boarded the... Um, it was Irving. Irving and Davis, that's it. Boarded their eagle, but... Oh, there's nobody there. Oh. Go ahead, Alan. You it's did tell me to put terrapins down my trousers, didn't there's you? There's no one here. Sandra very slowly stands up at that. Alan, get back here. Kano, I want to talk to you. Now, as you know, I like to blame just one person for all the problems we have this week, and uh, this week it's going to be you, if you'd take a seat there. You can sit if you'd like. Oh, he is doing this, okay. <laughs> Sarah Graham was hooked to a computerized monitor during what should have been a simple blood transfusion. She died. Her blood... Not Sarah Graham... No, I don't know who that is, Commander. ...the lack of oxygen. Because computer went haywire. It's fouling everything from comlock systems to important data, and we're in desperate trouble. But we can find no fault. Then maybe we're looking for the wrong things in the wrong way. I also like the way this story unfolds. Um, the way that computer is the first one to be influenced by Perry and... Planet. The, the subtle ways that you get the impression that computer is not only networked to all the other systems in Alpha, including... You know, remote systems like the Eagles and the Comlocks, but it's also connected to certain key Alphans. Um, obviously, Carno, we're about to find out something quite significant about him. Um, but Victor, with his mechanical heart, was the first one to fall to the uh, the influence of what we're uh, later going to to meet on the surface of the planet. 
I've asked David Connor to go through with this because of what's happening here on Alpha. Dr. Here we go. This is uh, our probably the biggest and only few people to take part in an experimental program on background info bits on Carno to implant a complex of fiber sensors in the cortex of his brain. The intention was to link the enormous memory and calculating ability of the computer with the unique thinking ability of the human brain. Yeah, so one of our main characters has basically got a USB port in the back of their head. This has never been explained before and will never be explained again. Kano will be able to determine exactly how it's being affected. I swore I'd never go through this again. Also, I noticed that Koenig's comlock there is, hasn't, done, hasn't got any buttons, it's just got bits of black tape where buttons should be. What you mean is, I survived it once. I don't know if, if that maybe is a, a stunt comlock, possibly. Good luck, Kano. In case your brain melts, do you know any other black guys who could run the computer? I know you're the second one, I, I can't honestly remember what happened to the first one. It's such a... sorry, it's, I can't get over the fact that we have a... A character with a, a computer port in the back of his brain, and it, it in the whole rest of the series, it's never mentioned again, and it's never useful again. I, I know it's just so strange. Is this direct interface with computer the only thing it could possibly be used for? I, I guess, if so, it's quite painful for him. Probably why he uh, he doesn't mention it anymore. Well, the squiggly line on the monitor is going very squiggly. But his brain so far isn't leaking out of his ear, which is always a good good thing. Oh, now he looks all happy. And there he was, gone. Kano is gone. Yep. Disappeared in a pink blow. A pink blow? Pink glow. Oh dear. Although a pink blow would be a... a, a you know, just just as powerful a cliffhanger, I'm sure. I don't even know if I'm going to leave that in. Hmm. Anyway, Victor's scampering around, very busy. That's it. We're in orbit. If we're in orbit, we're trapped. All the time we need. Victor, I don't understand your sudden optimism about that planet. I mean, so far we've lost three men, and that doesn't encourage me one bit. We have no idea what happened to them. There's no rational explanation. It could happen to any one of us. Yet it didn't happen to you. Well, I was on manual. Yes. Also, I'm awesome. Everything computer told you. Alan, we're going down. Oh, that's it. The Koenig slap. I've always meant to one day do a, a supercut a video of all the times that Koenig gives somebody a friendly slap. I'm not sure if that's something Martin Landau did in real life or if that's just uh, something you did for the character, but it happens a lot. Anyway, there's an eagle landing. Uh, Koenig and... Alan come to see what they can see, and interestingly, and obviously a shot that was filmed for much later in the episode, as the eagle lands, you can see half a dozen uh, cardboard eagles scattered about the place. Um, probably at the time it wouldn't have been noticeable, but now, place like home. on Blu-ray, it's very noticeable. So Alan's waiting in the eagle, Koenig is going to have a wander around. This gorgeous Keith Wilson set. It, it's just surreal in the extreme. It shouldn't really work, all these bubbles and veins and the the whites and pinks, but somehow everything just just gels into a a believable weirdly believable alien world. They're dead now. I get no readings at all. Don't give up, John. Early days yet. So Koenig's having a, 
little scan with his. Um, well, it looks like a. Ah, fascinating. It looks like a, a sort of old-fashioned office dictaphone. I'll call you if I see anything unusual. I'm guessing it's a scanning device similar to the Star Trek tricorder, and I want to say that in the script, it's called something like an organitron. Um, I don't really remember them making much use of this tool. There's that uh, eagle that still hasn't crashed, just hanging in the sky. And there... Pete! It's Pete! You alright? It's Koenig. Connor, it's Koenig. Connor, talk to me. Connor! Computer is right. Piri is just perfect for all our needs. There's nothing here, Connor. There's no life. There is light. Ooh, so Koenig has found his three missing men, and now there's a sort of giant tree of Pyrian bulls in the middle of the uh to be honest it's, it's difficult to describe it if you're not familiar with the episode because it's everything here is just so weird and Keith Wilson did some amazing sets uh, across all of the Anderson shows um but this one you know it may not it, it may not objectively be the absolute best but it is it's one of the most memorable. It's just so, so unique. I don't remember ever seeing another Alien Planet set. Anything like as strange as this on any other sci-fi show. Anyway, here's young lady stepping down the uh, steps to meet Koenig here, who is played by future co-star Catherine Schell. I am sent to calm your fears and bring you peace. It's very strange to see her name come up just after the episode title as guest artist. But yep, here she is. I have come like this in human form, so that you may understand my presence. And I, I b believe she wasn't the first choice for for Maya in the second season, at least. She wasn't Anderson's first choice. Um, You're a very human. So I've always wondered to what extent her performance in this episode was... A factor in her getting the Maya role certainly would have to have been. I am the servant of the guard. Part, partly a factor, but um, I wonder if it was the whole to thing. And we have brought you here to relieve you of your human pain. Because her character in this episode is quite different to the one she would be playing in season two as Maya. Being human, you are wondering about its power. Come. She is um, not to spoil spoil anything. She's a bit more. Uh, Robotic in this this episode than she would uh, later be in season two. They built a world of machines to run the necessities of life, so that they could enjoy their pleasure. Then they created the Guardian to control the machine. And yet, of course, she has this exotic sort of air to her that that really fits in with this this strange alien environment of Piri. Not for human beings. We're born, grow old, and die. It's transit, imperfect. Life can't be maintained. I also like that Koenig, his first instinct, despite seeing three of his men in almost a trance-like state, he's quite willing just to talk to this woman. In her suspended time. And it's only now that he begins to realise the threat, the danger. My men, how did you get them here? We reached out and offered them happiness, and they accepted. Time is stopping for them. Life is stopping for them. This place is not for us. I'll make them understand. That I'll slap Kano and I'll slap him again if I have to. Did the dominion of the Guardian. 
I won't see about that. I'm gonna slap Kano until he cries like a little girl. Kano, come with me. You're dying here. You must accept, Commander. I will not accept. Come with me, Kano. You must conform. Come with me. The Guardian is making you perfect. It is the Prime Directive. Oh, blue light. Blue light equals perfect. And Koenig's being drawn in like a moth to one of those bug zapper light thingies, but uh, because he's just so damn hard, he can fight it off. And speaking of manly people... All right. Yeah. Someone who hasn't been able to resist... Yeah. I heard you. Is good old Alan. He's seeming a bit, uh, a bit light-headed here. Nice place, huh? Kind of peaceful. It's no place for us, Alan. Nice people. And I've never been clear here to what extent the Guardian is influencing people to act against their will, or if this manic flying is just something Alan really wants to do and has finally been given uh, given the freedom to do, but uh, he's now rolling and diving and swooping this eagle all over the place. Now, Koenig's hauled him away from the controls, which means there's no one at the controls of this eagle! <sighs> and this is a fairly reasonably brutal fight scene between, well, I was going to say between Koenig and, and Carter, but it's very often between Koenig and Carter's stunt doubles quite noticeable here and and what makes it more effective is it's such a small and enclosed set to be doing this on anyway Alan's now down and out miraculously the eagle hasn't crashed in all the time that it's been swooping around without a pilot and Koenig's now heading back to Alpha with a a cut to his face and a, a busted arm come in Alpha this is an emergency stay on this channel and I rather like come in Alpha that we don't see exactly what happened to make the rest of the Alphans suddenly fall under the dominion of the Guardian. I can I can understand why it happened to Alan, because he was on the planet, he was so close. But for the rest of them, Koenig just returns to Alpha and everyone is suddenly liberated of all their inhibitions and having this great big party. Because, of course, the only man on the base who's hard enough and tough enough and strong enough to resist is is Koenig himself. Everyone else is dancing in the medical centre. Uh, Koenig is not landing in the same eagle that he left with. He's landing in a laboratory pod eagle. And everyone's having punch, dancing. It's it's quite fun to watch, uh, watch what, what the regulars are doing. Um, I think Xenia Merton manages to be at the punch bowl and dancing on the far side of the room at the same time, um, the way this is edited. Yeah, there she was. So with no one to uh, to help him at the eagle, he just has to follow the sound of the uh, colossal drunken roaring. I love that this the first season of this show could squeeze so many people into one frame. There's like 25 people in that room. Anyway. Relax, Commander, relax. You had a fall. You passed out of the party, that's all. Dr. Russell, where, where is she? Uh, she's attending a command conference now. Commander? That's a nice little um, rare character moment for Dr. Matthias, pouring him, pouring Koenig a drink and then just uh, helping himself to it anyway. I like the idea that he's got a secret stash of booze somewhere in medical centre. And this is one of my favourite outtakes. That. I should have said bloopers, really. Yeah, so everyone's loading 
you know, moving equipment around the corridors, ready to leave Alpha. And a woman walks past Koenig with a, what is obviously a metal film can that has been sprayed white, which she's wearing, you know, it's got a strap on it. The strap breaks and it lands on the ground with that really heavy metal sound. It's so loud that even Landau turns around as if to check that, you know, the cameras are still rolling, that that wasn't a an on-set disaster or something. All right, then. We won't worry. I love spotting. I love I love watching that moment. Depends on how our lines turn out in practice. And here we are at a command conference. There's Helena, Victor, Sandra, Paul, um, Tony Allen's security guard, and a, a guy in a yellow sleeve. Definitely a yellow sleeve. I'm not sure what he who he represents. I mean, obviously the service section, but Sandra's there too. Miss Howard, my reports, it's a lot of phony information. Curiously, Alan isn't there at all. It's attacked our computer. It's attacking your minds. This wonderful. He's probably still got his feet up in the air. Helen, listen to me, please. I've been down there. I've seen what it's done to Cano, Davis, and Irving. Cabbages. And to think we almost went right by it. <laughs> I also like that the, in this episode, the second half of this, so many of the characters seem so much more happier than they would normally do. He's scheduled for medical eagle number 10. He'll be adequately I mean, especially Barbara Bain, and who gets a lot of criticism for her performance in the first season, but I think moments like this show, you know, there's a warmer, softer character lurking under there, and maybe we could have done with seeing more of her more often. Good to believe in, Commander. Speaking of characters we should have seen more often, here is a superbly cool moment, um, to me at least, of uh, action Tanya. And Tanya was uh, a character who sort of hovered between regular character and extra, depending on, on what the story needed, played by Suzanne Roquette. Commander's instruction in direct conflict with orders of the Guardian. So the commander's trying to shut down the computer. Computer won't let him, so he resorts to ripping bits out of it. And Tanya isn't going to have any of that. She's going to get in there. Commander! And he shoves her so hard against the, the wall. But yeah, there we go. That was a uh, my favorite, one of my favorite little Tanya moments. Uh, nothing spectacular in itself, but you've got to you've got to take these things where you can find them. Now listen to me. The Guardian is taking over your mind. Come on, listen, Victor. Listen to me. Hey, John, it's all right. And this kind of thing isn't an uncommon trope in in sci-fi shows where um, you know the whole crew has been taken over by this thing that's making them feel so happy and everything's wonderful, except for one man. The brave, fearless, heroic commander who is just so, you know, self-reliant and and tough, and you know he's a he's he's a he's his own man, and he's not going to be brainwashed like the rest of them. He's going to save the day, and um, you know it's 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 nice enough, but it it, it does get a bit predictable. We've seen it in uh, in other things. Your this side of paradise, the, uh, the Star Trek episode, where again the whole crew mutinies except for. Captain Kirk, because he's so manly. Your freedom threatens the safety of Alpha. Oh, computer. You threaten the safety of Alpha. And I also like that, um, which didn't happen too often with uh, where computer was, was causing problems. I think the female voice gives it a personality as such. But there's a nice Twilight Zone air of um, not only of a man, you know, finding all his friends have turned against him, but also a man fighting computer logic. Well, a few days solitude will soon straighten him out. Tell you what, we'll leave him an eagle. 
And then, when he comes to his senses, he can join us in his own good time. Hmm? <laughs> okay. So Koenig's pacing. It's how you can tell the situation is really serious. Koenig is pacing up and down. Oh, the lights have gone out. Which can only mean everybody is about to clear off. And if everyone's leaving Alpha, that also means stock footage of eagles! Oh, I could watch this stuff all day. And that's it. Everybody's off to Piri. Leaving Koenig very much alone in main mission. And it's only now that it's just him there. You really get a sense of how huge that place is. Um, no, no, I, I should say you get even more of a sense how huge that place is because it's always looked huge. Now I'm all by myself. All right, computer. I have to talk to someone. Auxiliary services available only. Computer has removed to planet Piri. Compu That's an odd uh, idea. I don't know if, if someone actually physically removed computer or if it just transferred itself to Piri. We don't really see any any sense of computer returning later on with the rest of the Alphans. Nobody's carrying a, a little box or anything. Uh, perhaps a little black box with a flashing red light on the top. I took you for a strong old man, John But just how long do you think you can last? Three days of despair have reduced you to pills to help you sleep the hours away. If only you would choose the Pyrian way. There we go, everybody's on the planet, staring up at the uh, big white Christmas tree. Fought hard in the struggle for survival. With goofy smiles on their faces. I really like the way that effect is done. The way she quickly heals his injuries. It's not dwelt on at all. She just waves her hand, jump cut, and it's gone. And the jump cut for once matches so well. And enjoy the peace that you've earned for your people. Now, there's nothing in the episode that um, that really explains why Koenig is um, is the only man who can resist the lure of the Guardian. Uh, I think we're just meant to accept the whole, you know, he is just so damn manly thing. But I, I seem to remember in the novels it was as the result of something else that had happened. I want to say it was from being hooked up to the um, computer in Missing Link. Her appetites you know, being on the life support system, having been mentally on Zeno, had some kind of influence on him here. You know, just punched a TV screen. No, oh, leave me with my pain. It reminds me I'm human. And that's a very Captain Kirk line, although the line I'm thinking of actually came uh, after this episode was made. It's uh, it's from one of the films. I, I want to say um, Final Frontier, in fact. I don't want my pain taken away. I need my pain. Your computer was not sabotaged. It was merely taken over for the Guardian's use. Of all things on Alpha, its mind was most nearly perfect. Which by default means that uh, of all the Alphans on Alpha, Victor is the most nearly perfect, uh, as he was the first one to be. Uh, you say you're the sir. Well, the first one that we saw influenced, even though Irving and Davis were you know, on board the Eagle. Perfection is absolute. You must be made perfect. Which, of course, makes perfect sense because we all love Professor Bergman anyway. Koenig has had enough of this silly woman being all supportive. He's going to go and teach these 
stupid Alphonse a lesson. Because remember, he is just so damn manly. Not even to have to worry about the problems of day-to-day -day subsistence. I used to dream about this. And here on Piri we can see that uh, a lot of the Alphans have um, chosen to uh, get out of uniform. And a lot of the men are, are bare-chested. But of course, uh, none of the ladies are bare-chested. But interestingly, the ladies who have stripped out of uniform, with the exception of Helena and Sandra, i.e. the regulars... All of the the female extras who aren't in uniform all seem to be wearing the same blue towel type thing. It's like standard issue casual gear, if that makes sense. Anyway, Koenig is now on Perry. Oh no, Sandra! Sandra doesn't have the uh, the blue jacket that Helena does either. So the Perians, where are they? Oh, and this looks so painful. Sandra! Oh, it looks. Almost like he he rips you know, he breaks Xenia's neck the way he just jerks it. But this is beautiful. Oh dear. Paul, I need your help. We're all so happy. The Perians, where are they? We're happy. Oh, we won't see Paul this happy again until uh, until he finds those shrooms. Oh, so actually, going back on what I said, Helena is the only one who who seems to have like a a blue jacket to go with her. Easy, Casual blue smock thingy. Oh, and there's a female security guard there. Helena! Which is a rare sight. Helena. A woman with the purple sleeve of security. Helena, why didn't you answer me? John, you've come to join us at last. <laughs> Again, I, I love the way so many of them are acting so casual here. It must be fun to, to do something like this, play... Uh, something a bit different from the normal character. Anyway, Koenig has apparently already come up with a plan to to fix the Alphans, which he's going to try out on Helena. You would have thought, since he cares so much for her, he would have uh, trialled this on someone he doesn't know. Um, or maybe not. Maybe he knows she'd be willing to take the risk if she was in her right mind. But yeah, he seems to have come to the conclusion that um, I think this is some kind of electrocution type machine. I don't know where he got the idea that this would would work, but it seems to be working fine. Why back up? Just say what it is. What, what what is it? Oh, she says what it is. Shock. Had my heart stop. Worse. Much worse. How did he know that shock treatment would um, would fix it? I mean, slapping Carno didn't do anything. Helena, you are in a trance. Think hard. Were there any machines? Nothing. Nothing moves. There's no sign of life. No sign of life. I'm not sure why they play this moment as such a surprise reveal, considering that, you know, aside from the girl, we have seen no life. That's it. There is no life. There are no periods. Yeah, it's not so much a shock reveal when that's exactly the way we've seen the planet for the rest of the episode. Periods' task is to take pain anyway. from your lives and make them perfect. We are grateful. We are grateful. Catherine's giving her orders to the Alphans. We are happy. We are happy. And peaceful. We are and peaceful. peaceful. 
And it's also fun to see her and uh, Barry Morse acting together again because they were co-stars in uh, another ITC series made just a few years before this called The Adventurer. And, um, you know, we've all seen those those great shows, you know, The Saint and uh, Champions and Randall and Hopkirk and all that stuff. Well, The, the Adventurer is um, the bottom of that barrel. You must destroy him. Well, it's more what you find on the underside of the barrel when you, you take it to the dump to throw it out. But... Uh, it's an interestingly awful show, and yet these two had so many scenes together. So back to Alpha. But we always wondered what it would be like in the second season if if um, if Victor and, and Maya ever met up. Anyway, everyone's now out to get Koenig and Helena, and uh, some of the extras are chipping in with some uh, stay back, some poorly chosen ad ad libbed lines, which I know from experience. Oh, that's Matthias down. It's not the easiest thing to do. And Alan's down too. Helena, this way. He's only stunned. Oh yeah, obviously you, we would assume that you wouldn't kill Dr. Matthias. There's no place on Piri for you, Koenig. You're destroying our peace, Koenig. We're going to kill you now. And Pete Irving is down as well. Where are your own people? They don't exist, do they? No, because they died. Just as my people are dying right now. Of total apathy. So I'm going to shoot you in the face. Oh. Yeah, I'm not quite sure if Koenig knew she was a machine. But he definitely aimed at her face. And to be fair, that's a... It's quite a, a mildly gruesome reveal. This is what passes for life on Piri. As does, essentially, the, the climax of this story is shoving a... A shop window mannequin down some stairs. And now that that's busted, the Guardian is exploding. Uh, everyone is suddenly free of the influence of it and is running for their lives. Also, there are bubbles. Quite a few bubbles. Balloons going out of orbit! Oh, and that as well. Head back to the ships! And this mad stampede back to the Eagles is, uh, again, so many extras in this scene. And it's worth, if you're not familiar with this scene, it is worth watching this several times over again to see what people are doing because more than one person bangs their knee for real on the edges of these um, large wooden um, rectangular things. Now oh, there we go, yep. Uh, a woman from the technical section just smashed her knee into the, the solid corner of this thing and it looked like a pretty nasty, genuine injury. And one of the extras, uh, other extras, I think his name's Loftus Burton, he grabbed her and, and was just, you know, keep going, keep going, if we stop we're all going to die. It looked very genuine. And here... Main motors. That was Gareth Hunt. Um, clearly not his voice, but uh, absolutely, unmistakably Gareth Hunt, who was originally cast as Pete Irving. But uh, Hunt had a, an argument with the director and got himself sacked after presumably having filmed, you know, just that little snippet. So then Michael Culver was cast as Pete Irving, and they were thinking, well, we've still got this footage of Gareth Hunt getting into an eagle and taking off. He doesn't have to be Pete Irving. You know, it's a mass evacuation. Everybody's leaving the planet now, so uh, we can reuse that footage. And uh, here we go. Gareth Hunt in Space 1999. Uncredited, and without his voice. And another, another close-up of him there as well. Ah... And this is another sequence where in HD the um, you do see a lot of the wires 
but you know we never saw you wouldn't probably have seen the wires at the time i like as well where you've got shots like these of multiple eagles one's just taking off the other's already up and another is clearly you know just leaving the atmosphere we've got one two three four eleven might have been 12 I, I can't count very well um eagles heading back to alpha there um i hope that's not everybody because 300 people into 12 ships would be quite a squeeze and it was clear the regulars weren't taking anybody with them but um there's a bit of uh, greenery growing on piri now as the moon leaves orbit also again lots of bubbles so when you destroy the girl, you destroy the guardian. And I think, actually... No guardian to suspend time. Time was restored. I, I should probably wind that back, actually. I'm not going to because we're so near the end. But I think also there's a butterfly floating around on the, the remains of the Pyrian girl there. Planet Pyrian now has life, water, vegetation, everything. We brought a dead planet back to life. Planet of butterflies. Stayed. There's a nice sort of slightly poignant end to that planet but at least they've uh, given that one little butterfly his own planet and that was guardian of piri which for you know it's it's kind of a standard idea you know the lone leader against all of his people who've turned against him but it's it's pretty effectively realized here and it's always nice to see the regulars um, acting out of character for a little bit. And of course, two things stand out from that one, really. The the gorgeous planet set and um, you know, seeing Catherine Shell a whole year before she would come back turning into tigers and, um, and foxes and all sorts of other things. So, uh, pretty decent episode and looking forward to seeing Catherine again.